Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to my podcast, Tea with Twiggy. In each episode, I speak with a good friend of mine or someone that I find fascinating, all whilst enjoying a good cup of tea. I always enjoy these chats and have no idea where the conversation is going to go. And I hope you'll enjoy them too. I'm really excited this week because I'm going to talk to one of my dear friends. He's the American actor, Bobby Cannavale. You know him from Will and Grace, Broadwalk Empire. And last year he was in The Irishman. And he's a fabulous actor and he's a lovely guy. And he's in Oz. Bobby Cannavale, how are you? Oh my God, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it takes a podcast for us to catch up. I know. Well, it's very, very, oh. and it's so, uh, unfortunately our, our listeners can't see see us, but I can see you and it's very nice to see. I like your beard. It's so nice to see you. Thank you. I, I've never had a beard before in my life, but I had to, Haven't you? I had to commemorate the uh, the year, the worst year ever with yeah. the beard so now whenever i see any pictures of me in the beard i'll know oh that was the worst year ever 2020 absolutely for the world for the world oh gosh unbelievable yeah, well, yeah, um, yeah but no i'm growing it i grew it for a, for a part as well so i say it must have been because i know you're filming and i'm going to ask you about that in a minute but most importantly as it's tea with me have you got a cup of tea you don't you don't drink tea if i remember the first time I ever drank tea in my life was with you. Was it? And yeah, I've never, I never had tea before. I didn't grow up with tea. We grew up with bad instant coffee in our house, you know, like bad. This was the before the days of gourmet coffee. So it was like, you know, there was always like a pot of Maxwell House. Where yeah. My mother would make Cuban coffee, you know, Cuban coffee, which is what I make now. But that's good, you know, like isn't it? Coffee, I'm not a coffee cafe drinker. Cafe yeah, but I never drank tea. The first time I drank tea was at your flat in London. How and funny. And I remember just, I didn't know what to expect. And you put out um, crumpets. I'd never had a crumpet before. <laughs> and I and I housed them. Like you turned around to get your cup of coffee. And when you came back, all the crumpets were gone. And my tea was drained. And I was sweating at the table. <laughs> and you said, Bobby. What's happened to the crumpets? And I said, weren't they for me? I didn't know they were for the both of us. <laughs> and the tea, I, 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 I inhaled the tea. I drank it so fast. 
and I was just dripping wet. I was so hot. That is so. I didn't, I, I didn't get it. I put so much sugar in it. It was um, yeah. Tea doesn't do it for me. So you're not a tea drink. Yeah. No, I'm not. So I'm having a whiskey. <laughs> Quite right. Well, I have to tell everyone. Although it's early morning for me. It's um, what time is it there? Getting up to nine o'clock at night. It's yeah. getting up to nine o'clock at night here in Australia. Yeah, because yeah, you're so. in Oz, in Byron Bay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in Byron Bay. Wow, the chillest place on earth. Is it gorgeous? I've never. I've been. I've been to Australia and I love it, but I've never been to Byron Bay. Yeah, you know, I've come here many times, as you know, because of Rosie, and um, but we've never. I've never been to Byron before, so it's sort of midway up. It's like the top of New South Wales before you get to Queensland just before Brisbane, and it's um, it's the easternmost part of the country. So it's a beautiful point, and it's like the surfing capital of the world. Oh, I've been to Hawaii, it? and I've seen a lot of surfers, but this place is packed with surfers and people who, you know, not wearing shoes anywhere and just taking it easy, mate. Hippie just heaven. easy. Hippie heaven. Yeah. And uh, we've been here since July, yeah. It's been, it's been so good. So you, really you've fortunate. been through most of the really bad times in America, in Australia. Well, uh, truth be told, the very beginning in March, you know, Rose and I were doing a play right I before know. a pandemic hit. We were doing Medea together at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, and we closed on March 8th. And March 13th, they closed Broadway. Rose and I went to the last show wow. on that night. And then two days later, we went upstate with the boys packed up the car and went about an hour, 15 minutes upstate. And we were up there for about four months. We just got what, out, did of, the, you, we got did out you of the city. Did you just rent a, uh, a cottage or Rented something? a house up there, yeah. And and we got out of, uh, we, we just got out of the epicenter. It just mm. felt, it was starting to feel hairy. And the kids, kept the kids in school. How, how old are your little ones now? The little guys are three and four. Rocco oh, yeah. just turned three and Rocco before uh, in February. And, you know... I don't know if we would have left the city if it, we didn't have the boys. You know, I've got I've got Jake, who's twenty five now. Say, and he lives you've got your big boy, who I know very yeah. well. Yeah, and he's in he's in Brooklyn as well. How's he doing? Yeah, he's good. He's good. You know, once I checked in and made sure he was okay, gave him the key to the house. Well, he's got a key to the house, and I just said, if you need to come to the house, just it's all yours. We're going to yeah. be about an hour and a half upstate, and he moved into the house, watched it for us. Lovely. Which. Yeah, which is um, code for destroyed it. Um, and, you know, I came home. I came home to visit him for his birthday after like a month and a half upstate. And I've been checking in with him all the time saying, hey, you're taking care of the house, right? You're taking care of the house. Yes, yes, yes. And I came back to visit him for his birthday. And the the kitchen just, the kitchen's a very open kitchen with like a door out to a terrace. So like there's a lot of open space. So if there's a smell, it's got to like... It has to have settled it. Like it's it's hard to make it a smell settle in like in a deep way. And he had achieved that, and and it was because he had been making burgers every night and just letting the grease just oh yeah gather at the top of the uh, of the of the stove. So um, so but he but 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 he he got through it. Uh, it was pretty hairy there, you know. In, in, I know in Brooklyn. It, was. it was worse than that. It was just awful, awful. Was times. it worse in Bro Brooklyn than Manhattan, or about the same? Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah. In Brooklyn, in, in the boroughs, uh, I would say in the outer boroughs, it was worse. In Brooklyn, in the Bronx, in Queens, it was very yeah. bad. You know, it's where most of the working class people live. I'd you know, say. Manhattan is. Well, Brooklyn's is another posh, thing. Posh now, isn't it? But 
Yeah, parts of it. But remember, Brooklyn is so big, right? Well, that's County true. of Kings. That's it's true. massive. It's so, it's it's the largest county in America. Is it? By population. I yeah. didn't know that. Because I, I yeah. only know that bit when you cross, you know, the Brooklyn Bridge and you're the into bridge. Brooklyn yeah. Heights and... Yeah, um, and that's around where we are. Yeah, and it's Brooklyn gorgeous. Heights, Cobble well, Hill we nearly we that. nearly bought a flat there about ten years oh, really? ago. Yeah, we looked and looked and looked, and we found one. And then oh, I'd know something brought us back to England, so we didn't do it in the end. But otherwise, that we would might have been a have good been... move ten years ago. I know it would. Tell me, yeah. I wish we had now, but never mind. Yeah, never mind. Anyway, but now, well, we miss it though. You know, we 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 went upstate, and the boys, you know, they're so small; they have no concept of the virus and or any of that so we've we've just been focused on just being with them and we were outside and you know and hiking and just doing all kinds of outdoor things up there so it was a nice experience for them you know yeah i say i think for a lot of families it has been a nice experience especially for fathers because lots of fathers who work yeah often don't see their kids you know they see them at bedtime and early morning yeah. and it's been I, yeah. we've got a few friends who've actually said and like you know, Carly, who you know, my daughter, her husband, yeah. Ben, he's working from home. So with their new baby and their five-year-old, it's been lovely for him because and a great support for Carly. Yeah, and all the kids want to do is just they want you they want you around. They want mom and dad around. Exactly. So they love it. And Absolutely. So it was, and they, uh, they have no yeah. concept of they've kind of explained it to Joni, who's five, and she calls it the germ. <laughs> Because, you know, yeah. my hard thing was I couldn't, we couldn't see any of them for, you know, five and a half months. We couldn't see them till the summer when they, you know, let the the lockdown up. Um, although we're in lockdown again now for another couple of weeks. Oh, you're in the city? Uh, oh, no, the whole country. Oh, yeah, right. It's not as strict, but all the shops are closed except growth. Because we started to spike again, as was inevitable. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Interesting. I mean, I mean, you know, if you were if, look, we're very fortunate. We got to go up state and but like if you were if you were able to do it, uh, I have to say there was a there was an eventual kind of rhythm that I got into that I I'm still kind of in it that I quite like. It's it's a little bit of a slower pace. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's like two places that I do my shopping. There's and there's the farmer's market. God, I've never I've never hit a farmer's market. Like I'm like a farmer's market professional now after uh, all this time in isolation. <laughs> I mean, but I, I know, I think I know I, all the towns, what days the farmer's market is in each town. Yeah. I feel like probably when it's all said and done I, I, and we're able to look back and assess the data, I think that uh, I, I know I certainly feel like I have whittled away the extra things that, that weren't really as necessary as I thought they would be that they were. Um, and yeah, I just, I just not having, I mean, having a lot of free time opens you up to the possibility of spending more time on the things that you really, really, that you you have right in front of you, whether it's your relationships with your people or, you know, you also discover things. I mean, I've really, <laughs> I've become a really good cleaner. Number one, I'm really good. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny because it's like, yeah, yeah. Then, then again, then, you know, uh, gosh, it's okay. I can talk about this, but you know, I'm a very good cleaner. I love to clean and Rose has not gotten any better. She's not really like, like that, that didn't help. 
with her cleaning skills. And I have gotten, I've gotten really, um, I, I was always really good at it. So um, it's just given me uh, more of an appreciation for it. Yeah. Um, but you really do have to fill your day. There's something very satisfying about, I love, I, especially the bathroom, when you clean your bath and your sink and your loo and it, yeah. and it looks and it shines and it's, and it's it, it makes you feel really good. And I've also got very into knitting and sewing, which I love anyway. So I'm knitting like a, a maniac. It's lovely. I love it. And Lee's been writing his poetry. He's gone back to that because he's, you know, preparing to do his book. Yeah. So it's yeah, given good. time. What I'm saying, it's given us time to kind of pick up on the things that you don't usually do. Yeah. How about the weird sleeping? Like, like I now, I, I now... I, I, I'm used to getting up early. I'm a morning person, and I'm also the morning person with the kids. Um, but this schedule is just getting earlier and earlier. I mean, I can't seem to sleep past 6.52 ever, and I can't <laughs> seem to stay awake past 10.04. I, got, I, got I, mean, I, I got you just in time, then. You got me just in time. <laughs> don't, don't, yeah. if, we, if we hear snoring, it's you gone to sleep. <laughs> You know what? I've started to watch Homecoming. Oh, yeah? The first season? How many seasons are there? There are two, but, I, but they're Don't very different. Don't tell me what happens. Oh, I won't. Oh, yeah, it's good, though, right? I mean... Yeah, excellent. That's a funny story, you know. Um, I had never listened to podcasts before, and then this was the first podcast I listened to. Somebody turned me on to it and said, oh, you should listen to it, and I said... Oh, it's fiction. I, 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 I don't want to. I don't think I want to hear that. I don't want that to be the first thing. But I listened to it, and I was like blown away by it. And it's like the first kind of job that I ever like went after. And I said, "Hey, if they ever turn that into something, I'd like to play. I'd like to How be in that." And, like oh, so it came it was a full circle. I didn't, I didn't realize it was a podcast first. Yeah, it was a podcast with a fantastic cast. It was like. Oscar Isaac, David Schwimmer played my part. Catherine Keener played Julia's part. Um, Oscar Isaac was the young soldier that Stefan James plays in the show. And, and it was like, it came together. It was so fortuitously, the guy who, who ended up directing it all was this really brilliant guy named Sam Esmail, who created say, the show. Beautifully very, directed. Beautifully. Yeah. This, the guy who created that show, Mr. Robot, mm -hmm. was a really, 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 wild guy i mean just a beautiful filmmaker he um so you'd work with him on that right i worked with him on robot and when this thing came up and i literally said hey have you heard this podcast and he said yeah you know i'm gonna i'm gonna develop it into a series literally on on the set and a year later i was shooting that how yeah. wonderful oh thanks so i love good. stories like that don't you it's brilliant yeah yeah i love when it happens like that and you know what I find the older I'm getting, the more things happen like that. Well, that's true. I think, you know, when you're young, you're so hungry and you kind of, the, the ambition to get things and, and if they go wrong, it's so soul-destroying. But often, you know, it's for, you know, all, all people in our business lose parts or don't get the ones they want. But other things, Lee's very good at that. He's always of the opinion, it, well, it was meant to be and something else is around the corner that you were meant, you know, meant to have. So, And maybe when you're older, you don't like, you're not focusing on going after something as you are just like 
more in the moment, having conversations with people. And then through those natural, relaxed conversations, that something happens at the end of it that spurs a job. And you didn't expect it to. Well, don't you, don't you also find that often as you get older, you've, you've met lots of people. So as your career builds, you don't always have to go and audition. Like you knew the guy from Mr. Robot who's directing Homecoming. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it becomes a natural... And it and because somehow those awful auditions that people have to go on, some of them are so soul destroying. Well, now they do it all on video, don't they? They don't even yeah don't even have yeah now they do. Well, now they have to. But even before that, it, it was starting to happen that way. And often the best things happen when you've met somebody. I mean, some of the jobs I've got, well, most of the jobs I've got, because I knew you know when I met Ken Russell for another part. He he, we became friends, and that's how the boyfriend happened. You know, which was my first yeah. film. And when I did Broadway, that was through Tommy Tune, who I'd done the boyfriend with. So, so it was like people, people you know, and I'm sure that happens to you and Rosie. And weren't you going to do that as a movie or something? What? Didn't you do a job with Tommy Tune that was going to be a movie, and then it became a play or something? I heard you tell that story. We did the boyfriend together in 19. Oh. 1970 um and then we had this year idea we, what year of my birth oh yeah the day you, where you were born it was to celebrate your birth bobby yeah <laughs> yeah you were just a kid well yeah Might yeah i was a kid when we did the boyfriend i was 20 21 so after that we were gonna try and do a film not of not of the boyfriend, but like a Fred and Ginger musical, you know, with tap dancing and singing. And we worked on it for about two or three years, but we never got the finance in the end. And Tommy kind of went on to become this huge um, director on Broadway. And about 12 years later, he called me and said, um, I think I've got our project going. And I said, oh, brilliant. When do we start filming? And he said, no, it's going to be on Broadway. And I said, <laughs> I said to him, I can't do that. And he said, there's no such word as can't pack your bags and get out wow. to New York. Wow. And that's how my one and only happened. But, you know, it was... Yeah, because- it's really like relationships, isn't it? Yeah, It's just course. relationships. I mean, be. that's that's the best when it could just be like that. I mean, you know, like when I met you guys, when I met Lee doing that play 25 years ago now or something, yep. right? 24 yep. years ago. And I hadn't done much. And, and here I was going up to do this play and I had a small part in it. I met, you know, Lee. We drove... Oh, that was the greatest. Right? I mean, it was a play that we got to rehearse for a week in New York. And then we had to drive up to out to the Hamptons to go and do this play in Sag Harbor. And your lovely husband said, would you like to share a ride? And I said, sure, but I got to bring my wife's dogs. <laughs> and he said, oh, that's all right. We'll get a limousine. And I was like, ah, my first English friend. And he's putting me in a limousine and he's got cheese. <laughs> He had cheese, he had crackers. That was the most incredible experience. And we got so close on that drive, two and a half, three hour drive. And um, and then, you know, the funny thing about that was I had that small part. I got to meet Lee, a, like a lifelong friend now, and BB, New Earth, of course, and Tony Walton directed it in Dehody. But after that play, right after that play, I did the next play out there at Bay Street. And in that play, I met Tom McCarthy as an actor um and that's how we met and four years five years later he would write and direct the station agent and that was 
that gave me a movie career. I had I no movie career at all. And it all happened because of that summer that I said, let's take the baby. Jake was just born. Let's go up and stay up at her father-in-law's house. And yep. maybe I can get a play. And I got that play and I got the other play. And it just was relationships. And Exactly. Was- but that's what's magical about th- this business when that happened. Yeah. There's downsides to it, but when things like that happen, it's magical, isn't it? Because you can't, you know, when when people say, which I'm sure they've said to you, well, what, how do you plan the next 10 years of your career? You can't really plan a, a performing career because... I've never done that. No, you I've can't. I've never been able to do that. But no. I don't think you can. Maybe if you're a huge megastar like, I don't know, Tom Cruise or Meryl Streep, yeah, yeah. maybe you can. I don't know, but I, I, most actors, working actors, or even, you know, very famous actors, it's usually, as you say, relationships or ideas that come up. They might be able to put forward things and ideas they'd like to do, but it's usually circumstance and, and how things happen, I think. Yeah, and if you just leave yourself open to possibility of anything rather than having a plan and making sure you're doing everything to adhere to the plan i think a lot of things that right in front of you can go past you if you're if you're too much into the planning and i find that um when i've been just open to whatever's in front of me that's when i've met people that sort of crashed with what i had going on inside of me at the time and creatively it becomes like a fulfilling relationship you know and all of a sudden you know, I worked with this director a few years ago, English director. I don't know if you know him, named Richard Jones. I he's don't, a, but... he's brilliant, brilliant, and he um, he's um, you know, he's a com- he's a commander. I, I give him hell for that all the time. He's a commander of the British Empire. They made him a, a commander, so I would call him commander. And he used to hate that. And he um, <laughs> and he directed me in this play uh, in this play a few years ago. Uh, called the Harry Ape, uh, an old Eugene O'Neill play at the Armory. And he's like, I mean, on paper, this guy and I couldn't have less in common. I mean, we're so different. And it just happened at a time in my life when when I was feeling, you know, vinyl had just gotten canceled. It was kind of devastating to me, but I didn't want to show it. So I just kind of kept quiet, put my head down. And out of nowhere, this flash English director who's like huge in the opera world and he's a very sort of aesthetic uh, visionary kind of uh, avant-garde director I had no business even knowing this guy out of nowhere offered me this play this hundred year old play and I needed a challenge so bad it was the scariest thing I could possibly consider doing and I just said yes and it was one of the most creatively fulfilling things I have ever done in my life and it led to other of things course. in my life creatively you know you were saying oh. when we started talking that when lockdown happened you and rosie I, I as i know were doing medea yes yeah so so how much yeah. longer did you have left supposedly to do had, had we, you just we, opened or no no we closed we, we ran the whole run we were supposed to close march 8th which we did and all the theaters shut down on march 13th oh so you know, you it's a funny thing you didn't we, get we, cut off. We got off. to do our whole run. We didn't get cut off. But that funny thing happened. You know, the show was a big success. It did very well. You know, that thing that happens when a show is going to close and it's done very well and the critics loved it and it's sort of 
people are talking about it. And then at the end, everybody wants tickets, right? At the end is oh, when yeah. everybody comes because it's going to close. <laughs> and a strange thing happened on this one because COVID was starting to really become prominent in the news. Towards the end there, we had empty seats. Oh, and interesting. Because people were getting remember, nervous. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember saying to Rose, I think I started to get anxious. And that's when I started my weird, it's weird the behavior that comes out of you when faced with an anxious moment like that in time. But I just could not stop grocery shopping. I was just like, I was just packing my fridge and my freezer with pizzas and frozen oh, food and everything. The supermarket shelves. Oh, man. That was, <laughs> it was really just, you know, I remember I had a panic attack because I was in a grocery store and I was like around the block with my grocery cart, just anxious. Like I almost had a panic attack. Uh, yeah, I was pretty, pretty, pretty freaked out. But the show closed on time. And, you know, six days later, we were in the car packed with food heading upstate. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. So tell me, I mean, Medea is quite a play. And yeah. the last time I we saw a production here was about five years ago. And it's pretty devastating, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Did you see the one with Helen McCrory? Yes, or did you see that's the, the one yeah, we right. saw. I heard that she, was very she was good. Amazing. But I hear you're, you're I yeah. wish we'd have been in New York to see it. But and especially for the woman, especially when the woman, I talked to Helen about it, actually, because when the woman has children, did, did Rose and yourself find that really difficult to kind of get through or did you put it in its place <laughs> every night yeah we put it in its place rose and i have the ability to both we're very very different people um we're sensitive in different ways but we both have the ability to compartmentalize that kind of thing oh, good and and so thank god because uh for us what was exciting was getting to walk to work every day and walk yeah. home if we wanted to it was incredible um uh the play was 85 minutes with no intermission so it fit into that like going to bed early schedule all those pragmatic practical things were they were they were um not unimportant for people who have two young children so it was one of those things where we were so psyched about having having a work situation where we were um challenged by the material and very excited about the material and also it fit into our life yeah like it, it, yeah be, be, that becomes important doesn't it it just is important it's important yeah. it's important to us that we get yeah. this we always say keep the band together we got to keep the band together we got to keep the band together yeah um and so that was so great that all the other stuff killing the kids every night and you know and being <laughs> awful to each other that just uh that believe it or not that was really strangely manageable the only thing i will say is that rose was always exhausted like all like she she's she she can have a nap anytime anyway rose but during this period it was intense how well exhausted it's, and she helen was said all the same just met just mentally it's yeah quite a journey that yeah. that lady has to go yeah. on <laughs> yeah but we but it was so good it was so good to get to rehearse a play you know it's so intimate rehearsing a play and 
we had just a, a wonderful, another visionary director, really just a fantastic, this guy, Simon Stone, he's so talented and um, it was a beautiful design. And it was really, it was a, it was a, it was a real event and it was something different from anything I'd ever done theatrically. Fabulous. And I was so happy to get to do it with my, my love, you know, and, and get experience that every, every night, every night they would, they would shoot up, they would stand up for her. And oh. there was nothing better than seeing that and being in the wings and telling her from across the stage, go out there, go out there. <laughs> and every night she didn't want to go out, out solo bow after the company bow. And I, I can't tell, I get goosebumps thinking about it now. Oh. It was the best feeling. I would get goosebumps every night because she was, she was mind blowing. She was so oh. good. I wish we'd have seen it. I missed the theater. Anyway, I'm glad you didn't get closed because we've had a lot of friends, as I'm sure you have, who, you know, they would they were just opening in a play. And, uh, you know, the whole of London's... Although there have been a few few um, theaters doing kind of monologue-type plays and they've taken out a lot of... Seat. Is that happening in New York as well? I don't... Well, no, in New York, unfortunately, there's nothing happening live yet. It's all happening virtually. I'm working on a play now that I'm going to do in January virtually, yeah, which is not the same, of course. And Rose and I were supposed to be doing, we're supposed to be doing a view from the bridge right now in <gasps> Sydney, and that got canceled. Well, that got postponed until we can do it. Yeah. But instead, what they're doing is, yeah, like an evening of monologues, yeah. Eva weaving. Yeah. And, well, they've um, start, they've, they've actually done that in theaters here. You know, they've taken out a lot of seats, or you can only put people in every third seat. And that that yeah. has kind of worked, but you can only you can't do any, you know, group plays because of the danger. I will no, say I, I do get a fantasy like I miss it so much, um, and I do think, gosh, I'd love to be a part of that first wave of theater, mm. that socially distanced theater, and feel. I mean, think about it: audiences that go to the theater in these times that would would have the the impulse and the incentive and really that they would need to go to the theater. Anybody who would go to the theater in those early days is that's a good audience member. You know what I mean? Like you're not getting, oh, you're not getting people who are just casually going to the theater. And I, I reckon I'd like to, I'd like to perform for those audiences well, when, when they in those did, early days. When I'm talking about, they did talking heads um, here and their monologue. So it's just one person on stage. They were so, as soon as it was announced, they were sold out. Really? Because people, you know, people are really, you know, real theatre goers were so hungry to see. Yeah. They had really good people doing it. So, um, and they would alternate. You'd have, you know, two different actors, one in the afternoon, one in the evening. And then the next day it would be other actors just doing these monologue plays. And um, yeah, I really miss it. I really miss it. You know, for the first time ever, I really had like, I had like a year planned out. It just worked out that way where I was going to do three plays in a row Lovely. because they were so good. I was going to go from Medea to Streetcar up at Williamstown to View from a Bridge in Sydney. And so I had this great year planned out of just working in the theater. And I was crushed when, when, that, when that, you know, went up and spoke. So hopefully it'll be back. Your your mum was brought up in Cuba, right? Yep, she was born in Cuba. And I read, I didn't realise you must you might have told me before, but I didn't realise that you you did go back there with your mum 
for a couple of years, right? No, no. When to I was Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. That's yeah, my right. mother remarried. So she was Cuban, Seven. and your dad yeah, was Cuban. Italian descent, Italian. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they divorced when I was about five, and my mom went to Puerto Rico, met my step, my first stepfather, and um, <laughs> mar- married him. <laughs> And so we moved to Puerto Rico for a couple of years as a do you, kid. Do you remember that? Was and, that uh, wonderful? Was, I've never been to Puerto Rico, um, actually, or not. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, it was um, it was definitely different from New Jersey, for sure. And, <laughs> um, yeah, it was all right. I mean, we moved around a lot, you know, to Puerto Rico. And actually, you know, as somebody who grew up in a in a, in a a primarily Spanish-speaking house, because my mother and my grandmother and my aunt and my sister and I all lived together after my mother first mm-hmm. split up with my dad. Uh, so I, I grew up hearing Spanish in the house all the time. Can you speak we Puerto Spanish? Rico. Yeah, I'm fluent. Are you I, fluent? I can write it, read it. How speak wonderful. It, yeah. um, so moving to Puerto Rico at that age, I went to school for a couple of years there, and that solidified the bilingual part of me. Um, and... And, you know, the truth is, I really like the beach. I love the beach. My family lives in Miami now, and I have a place down there, and I like to go down there, and we're at the beach here in, in Byron, and, and I, I do quite like the beach. So I do think that I am I can feel the uh, the energy of the island nation that I that my mm. mother comes from, yeah, for sure. That's interesting. There's a connection there. And I've been to Cuba a few times. And Is your um, mom still with us? She's still here, yeah. Oh, she's good. in Miami. Yeah, yeah. She's on her, you know, third husband. All good. <laughs> she's safe and well. Oh, yeah, she's safe. She's safe with her third husband. <laughs> so how did you, I mean, when you were doing all that traveling around, can you remember the moment when you thought, I want to be an actor? Did it come from being in school plays or did you go to drama school? or what, How did it happen? I didn't go to drama school. I was, I was a really... Um, I was obsessed with movies and television, and I was a really early reader. I was a little bit of a latchkey kid. My mother didn't let me go out that much, so I was an early reader. And, you know, I skipped a grade when I was very young because I was reading at four, three or four oh years old. I was goodness. reading. And I'm still, you know, I, I, it's my favorite thing in the world to do is to read. And as a kid, I used to hang out at the library a lot. And I got interested in plays at a really early age. There was a drama section in my local library and I went to Catholic school. And so there was a lot of library time because it was across the street and I was always in the library. You know, I was like a helper in the library and it was because I used to be always be in the arts section of the library. So reading about movies and reading about play, you know, reading about, about this business really about, about movies and, and, and plays. And, and so I, I was obsessed with reading plays and then, and then I got involved with a little theater company, also connected to the Catholic Church. And I was in these plays as a very young person, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. And then I did school plays. The only thing I didn't have was like I didn't have any access to the next level. I, did, I had no idea what that meant, what that encompassed. I didn't know there was such a thing as drama schools when I was a kid because I was a terrible student no yeah actually lee was mind you he's that much older than you but where he grew up in the midlands you know he didn't he said he didn't you know he didn't he he thought actors were born to be actors that people like totally working class background he didn't know about drama schools or and he joined a little drama group in the end and that 
led to him eventually going to RADA. But um, but he said in where he grew up in a council estate, you know, people didn't become actors. They grew up and went, you know, worked in the factory or, you know. So yeah, it, same here. My dad worked in a factory. My grandparents worked in in factories. Uh, where I grew up in New Jersey, it was there were a lot of factories. Garment it was a garment yeah. industry there, so it was a garment factory and the chemical factories and my dad worked in a chemical factory and my my mother's family worked in like these coat factories like my mo- my grandmother worked where they put the buttons on the coat and my grandfather worked where they put the collars on the coats and they did that for like years just the same job over and over on an assembly line so it's very unusual yeah that, it is very I'm... unusual it was obviously i wonder i mean if they ever did you know that program who 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 do you think you are you know where they go back in your ancestry. Whether there's a performing gene somewhere back. Yeah, in yeah, your... that'd be nice to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have they ever I approached mean, you to do it? I, I did it. It was fantastic. No. It was oh yeah. Was any surprises? Not really. They did my mum's side, but um, I mean, it was sad, really, because it was really poor. I was hoping that I'd be the kind of ancestor of some ancient rich person and that might be an old castle somewhere but there wasn't no they were really poor and working class east end and um quite sad workhouse you know but it was quite very very interesting it's amazing i love doing it amazing Yeah, all the stories i've ever heard about the about the people from way back they're all working class people. Yeah. I mean, the only one was my mother's father's family was very wealthy and they were kind of aristocratic. But of course, my mother's father was the black, was sort of like the wild card of the family. Yeah. And he kind of turned his back on them and, you oh. know, and became like a gambler and a drinker and a taxi driver when he really didn't have to do all those things. Okay. Um, and so that then trickled down to the rest of us, I guess. And But it's, it's, it's it is a strange thing. Well, but, maybe you, you know, picked up his wild streak. Maybe I, I mean I do remember as a kid being always needing to put on a show, and the family kind of I remember very like perplexed looks from the audience, like "What are we doing here? Why are we all gathered here? Why? <laughs> why what's he doing?" It was always like that, you know, and and I always had the necessity to put on a show of some kind and um, so so when you actually start when you left school and started working did you did you kind of think oh i want to be a, a theater actor or i want to be in movies or or you just kind of went out there and thought i'll i'll get what i can get and see how you know no i wanted to work in the theater i was obsessed with the theater i read independently i read about the theater i read plays all the time i went to the theater i went and i I answered ads before I had an agent, you know, like non-equity showcases. I did a ton of them in New York and, um, and I had no, I just didn't, I didn't have any kind of entree. So I would find the places that I'd heard about, whether it be the public theater, Naked Angels at the time and ultimately Circle Rep. Um, and these were like repertory companies that were formed in the city there at a sort of seminal time for the theater in the late 60s and early 70s these were theater companies that by the time i'd gotten to them in the late 80s early 90s had had been established and mm-hmm. and i would just hang around and do whatever and it was mostly involved it mostly was reading stage directions i did that for a long time i'd be like i'd do anything i'll read stage directions and you know and then that led to a little a little part here a little part there 
Um, and then I became, you know what I, you know what I became an audition reader. I became like, uh, like a, a go-to audition reader. You know, like when you go to an audition or you don't go to auditions and, you know, I'm, I haven't done it in a while either, but you know, you go to an audition and there's, a, there's somebody reading opposite you. Oh yeah. And, you're you, that person. and they're not always very good. I was very good. I was like, I was like, I'm going to be the best audition reader. And maybe one day somebody will say, let's put him in the movie. And it happened to me. It happened to me a few times. That's how I got breaks. You know, I got, I got my passport from an English director named John Irvin. Remember him? Oh, John sure. Irving. Yeah, of course. I did a movie with him. That's how I got my passport and a war movie. That's when I passed through your house. Remember for a night. That's, that's right. On the way back from Hungary or something. That's right. I do. So remember. I, I was always willing we're to part do anything. Of your, we're part of your career, Bobby. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I was always like, I'll do anything because I don't have any pedigree. I don't have any education. I just, I was always willing to do anything to just be around it and learn. And, and I was really lucky. I really. But you know, I, I, I mean, we've all, all the people listening will have seen a lot, you know, Boardwalk Empire, Will and Grace. But, you know, they, a lot of them in England won't have seen you on stage. And, you know, I saw you in um, The Motherfucker with the Hat. Excuse my language, but that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were, as Lee said, you tore, you tore up the stage. You were on. It's so funny when you know somebody really well, like we know you and you love them. And then you, you go to see them in a, you know, a part on stage. It's it's so amazing to be so blown away, and you were unbelievable in that. Oh, that's sweet. You 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 were nominated for that, weren't you, for best actor? I was nominated for that. Yeah, unfortunately, that was also what? the year that Mark right. Mark Rylance Rylance yeah killing him in Jerusalem right oh, across yeah. the street. That's a shame oh. because that, he was yeah. amazing. As well. <laughs> he was amazing. Yeah, he was amazing. So shame it was oh, the same was great, year. You, you both yeah, should have done year. it. But you did. You've you've got a couple of Emmys. You got one for Will and Grace. I got one for Will and Grace, and I got one for Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, and for Boardwalk, I loved that. Yeah. Did you love doing that? I love doing Boardwalk. You know, all these things again. Like you just you can't plan these things. That's what's so nice about being surprised. Like. <laughs> like I believe, I still believe in the element of surprise. I think Good. it can happen to the very end. Like I'm still surprised. And all those, <laughs> all those little jobs, you know, you know, I've done Will and Grace if I hadn't done Station Agent. Station Agent led directly to Will and Grace. And I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have been able to do Boardwalk Empire if I hadn't done Motherfucker with the Hat. And the only reason, the only reason I got Boardwalk Empire was because Motherfucker was such a big hit and everybody came to see it that those guys who created that show came to see it and said, Oh, we want to put you in. So yeah. I really owe my, I really owe a lot of my career in film and television to the theater. I mean, honestly, yeah. I can directly trace jobs that people consider a success in my career to the theater. Um, and I'm, I'm really proud of that because well, that's the be. one place that I go to and I really, I can't live without it. I mean, I could live yeah. without the TV shows and the, you know, yeah, sometimes. and Lee, Lee always says, you know, it's a shame that, especially nowadays, young actors go straight into telly or, or if they're lucky, films that they don't experience that theatre experience really, because you know that's where you really learn your craft, isn't it? Yeah, you learn your craft. You learn how to like, you learn how to 
act with your whole body. And when you know how to act from your top of your head until the tips of your toes, then you can do anything. I really, 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 um, I don't, I, I, it's a hard thing to explain because I've met many actors who are really good actors on camera and they're, and they just are baffled by why I enjoyed the theater so much and they don't get it. And they think it's the same thing every night and they don't realize it's an ongoing, oh my exhilarating I mean, process. I haven't, I haven't done half as much as you, but th those moments on stage where it's a performance that is, you know, you, you do the same show every night, but some nights it flies, doesn't it? And you don't know why it just takes off. It's something to do with the relationship with the audience. And, you know, when I did the Broadway show with Tommy, there were nights when, you know, our feet hardly touched, the, although we were tap dancing, they had to touch the ground, but it felt like yeah. we were flying. And then the next night, yeah. it just didn't feel the same, it, you know, and, and, and those experiences yeah. are extraordinary. Yeah, I and you think. know, and when you're shooting something, you only get the one shot that day. Yeah. So like, you know, I'm shooting scene 12 today, it's four and a quarter pages. And after today, I never have to do that scene again. So I got to get it right today. Yeah. And in the theater, you get a shot at it every night. And every night, you know, it might not, it might not feel great every night. But I, I guarantee you by doing the same words every night, something will happen. Uh, uh, an emotion will happen. Uh, a feeling will happen. Uh, an experience. You will experience something on stage that you've never experienced before. And you will be able to use it later in another role, in another, in another performance. Mm -hmm. And I find all that really valuable. There's something about creating a life live on stage in front of an audience that is, um, it's immeasurable how important it is for the development of uh, the craft, I think. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And, and I know Lee does because he, he's like you. He, he just wanted to be, you know, a theatre actor, really. Yeah. And um, the films just kind of happened by chance but um same here yeah same here if i can make a living full living and you know what i'm getting older now so like my, my new favorite hobby is to think about how much how long is it before i can really slow it down and um and work <laughs> less and and uh and uh i would i think i will always want to do a play um I will always want to do that. I could see myself not necessarily wanting to work on camera as much anymore. Would you, have you ever directed? And would you like to direct? I haven't, not yet. I'd like to direct in the theater, and I will do that. I think day. you should, Probably you know. when that happens, when I'm, when I'm ready to go, I don't want to go and, I don't want to go and yeah. sit in a trailer all day. And, no, you know, exactly. Have people you, bring me food. I think you'd be a really good director because you've done so much theater and, and your experience, it, it's, you know, it's nice to share yeah. that with other people. I would like to do that, you know, especially again, as the older I get, the more I also realize it just doesn't matter. Like the only reason to do anything is because you want to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do anything anymore because for other reasons other than because I really want to do it. Not because it could do something for me, not because it, it fits into a bigger scheme for the career. Yeah. It's because I really, it just, it moves me. I can't stop thinking about it. That's, that's what I really want to do. I just only want to do it, those things. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I just, before I know we've got, I could go on talking to you for hours, but um, before we wind up, I just want to ask you about. Are we winding up already? Well, we've been talking for quite a long time. (laughs) But I wanted to ask you about The Irishman because it was a bloody brilliant film. Was it, was it? A fun one to be in. Quite, quite yeah, a cast. Incredible, quite a cast. <laughs> and again, you know, I know that guy Martin Scorsese, who I've now worked with three times. Again, came to see the motherfucker with the hat. I've had a relationship with him ever since. So I feel very flattered when he calls me up and asks me to do something. And you know, it was incredible. I got. I mean, I'm in. I'm in scenes with those legends every single day. And. Was, Just in case people awesome. haven't seen it, it was uh, De Niro, Pacino, and Joe Pesci, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Harvey Keitel. Sure. And, and Harvey, yeah, I said there were so many people in it. Yeah, yeah, so many people in it. And it was epic. And you felt it. You felt like you were a part of something really special. And, yeah. um, it was a brilliant film. Brilliant, It's brilliant just film. great. Yeah, yeah. It's great to be um, around. And it's really a pinch me kind of thing because, you know, again, I, I didn't train to do this. I didn't go to school to do this. I've just managed to get my way, work my way around to these circumstances. And, um, you know, whether it's Marty or, or, you know, Woody Allen or any of these, or Tom McCarthy, I've just really just followed my gut and my nose and they've led me to these incredible experiences. But it also, it also means that, you know, they, they see your talent because, you know, you are really talented. You, you, wouldn't say it, but I can say it because <laughs> I've seen oh. you do so many things. But um, oh. you know, do you do you kind of? Because I know Jake, your eldest son, he's an actor, isn't it? Do you kind of give him guidance, or does he come to you for? You know, what do I do, Dad, or how do I go about this? It's quite yeah, hard for young actors, does. isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, he does, and um, and he. Look, it's tough. It's it's tough. It's tough because, you know, I do this for a living and he's trying to figure out exactly how, how he wants to make his mark. And he's 100 percent an artist. I'm not so sure if acting is the thing he really wants to do the most. He's a he's he can't stop writing. You know, he's one of those oh, people that I'm not one of those people, but he gets up in the morning and he opens up a notebook that's right next to his bed and he writes. And I've never done that. So um, he's got a real passion for that and he's got a passion for his music um so however that shakes out you just sit by and you're just supportive and and you know every now and then he'll have an audition and he'll say you know hey dad i remember you know he'd ask me like really really interesting questions that on the surface seem like like sort of basic questions but they're complicated you know where he'll say hey dad you know i remember one time he called me and he said uh I i feel like this scene requires me to get emotional like how do you do that? How do you do that, especially in a situation where it's out of context? And they're good questions, you know, they and your are. friend is standing across from you with a camera. Know. You know, how do you do it? Where do you get it from? And and then the next thing you know, you're in a conversation. That's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. You're in a 
conversation with the person you love more than anything. Yeah, exactly. Talking about the thing that you love to do. And those are the moments, right, when you can't quite explain to people how fulfilling it is and what an honor it is to be a parent. I mean, yeah. um, you know, those moments come up and you go, oh, well, that's, that's everything. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of time when they're a pain, but, but the upside is the best in the entire world, isn't it? Being the a best. parent. Rose always yeah, says the, about the, the kids. The hardest thing is you never stop worrying about them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You never Even really when done. they're grown. There have been a few times when I thought, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. He's, 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 he's in good shape. And then turns out I'm wrong. Yeah. And they're always, yeah. you know, our children in their 40s now. And you still worry about them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's been, you know, it's it's certainly the, the most wonderful journey. Anyway, I could sit here and chat to you forever and ever and ever because it's oh, been please. brilliant. And thank you for doing it. And hopefully when we can all travel again. We, uh, might we talk travel. about it. We talk about the last time we were all there together and so fondly how we all got to hang out together with oh, our no. kids, our we'll kids with our, our kids and kids and grandkids <laughs> and, and we, will, we will do it again for we sure. Will. Anyway, I love yeah. you lots and take care. Big kiss to Rosie. I hope hopefully I'll be talking to her soon. Thanks, Twigs. It's really nice. Thanks for having me on. I'm honored to be on your show. I love you lots. Oh, lovely to talk to you. I love you too. Bye. Bye, Twigs. Oh, that was so much fun talking and catching up with Bobby. He's such a lovely guy, fabulous actor. And it's lovely to be able to talk to somebody in Australia, which is where he is filming. Anyway, it was great fun for me. See you soon. Bye. If this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. You just heard a stripped media production. 